All right, welcome to the Venture Capital Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the pros and cons of professional fundraisers. Peter, I don't know if people know what a professional fundraiser is. There's technically the official professional fundraiser, and there's the professional, unprofessional fundraiser that I'm sure the SEC would have issues with. Yeah. So let's hit it, okay? Let's do it. What are your thoughts on professional fundraisers? And let's talk about the ones that have their series 409A. Wait, what is it? No, 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 I'm messing it up. I'm totally messing it up. I am brain farting. So there's different series seven. Series seven. There we go. There we go. Came back to me. Be proud, everyone. But then they also need to be part of a broker dealer. Correct. So they need to have their broker dealer license. So what are your thoughts on, and maybe it depends on the stage, but what is it? What, the, the VC industry as a whole, what are their thoughts on this process? Uh, so usually you call it like a banked deal, right? You got an investment banker and you're going to pay them fee, right, for every dollar that they raise. And, and you have to have that broker-dealer license in order to do that, to get paid kind of a fee for, for funds raised. Isn't this typically a position of people in the private equity and growth stage, like in growth market capital? Yeah, I mean, you can see it all over the place, right? Like there are people that raise money at the seed stage with with investment bankers all the way up to pre-IPO and beyond, right? Okay. Used to be the purview was for investment bankers was more like when you went public and then after you went public when you wanted to raise more money as a publicly traded company, you'd use investment bankers to help you do that, either selling more shares um, or doing a pipe or, or what have you. But as it's taken longer for these companies to go public, and a lot of that growth has occurred uh, when they're private, more and more investment banks have moved into the private markets. But um, they're going top down. Are like, is the professional legal broker dealer? Is this a common, a common occurrence for? I would seed say it's or becoming more common. But no, for series series A seed and series A, no, okay. it's not very common. The round- and if it is, and if if you need to have an investment banker, a professional fundraiser to raise your seed round or your series A, that's usually like a huge red flag. Cause okay. it's like, I don't know, VC, there's so much money in VC these days and VCs are so hungry for the next like big, great thing that like they're chasing down deals on their own. And it's like, if you need an investment banker to sell your deal, then you probably don't have anything that compelling. Cause if you had something really compelling, like VCs would kind of be knocking your door down. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so generally, it seems like you're lukewarm on them for later stage. Early stage? For early stage, I'm, I'm lukewarm on For later stage, I think they can have a place. Okay. Although, again, there's a little bit of like, if you're a really great later stage deal or company, like... Why would you need it? Why would you need them? Now, there are some instances where they can be super valuable. So one of them is maybe your team isn't like amazing at fundraising, Right. And so it can be really helpful to bring in a professional fundraiser to help you through that process, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be that you just lack the relationships, right? And so they can open up a lot of doors and that can be helpful, right? It could be you're an introverted CTO and you just want to build product. Maybe you're an introverted CTO. Although you'd be surprised how many introverted CTOs have no problem fundraising because they actually build really cool, compelling product that gets VCs excited. Okay. Um, It could be that like you operate within a specialized industry and getting access to the right VCs uh, is you know, can be challenging. And so maybe you want to bring them in. Or maybe in some cases, 
like FT partners, they focus on fintech deals and they're really good at fintech deals and they bring a certain measure of clout when they're helping portfolio or when they're helping companies in the fintech arena raise money, right? Okay. Um, same thing with like Catalyst. Catalyst is another good example of a fund or is of an investment bank that's very well respected uh, when it comes to tech deals. So it can be helpful when you have the right investment bank for the right reasons. But I would say it's super common to have a deal bank, like have an investment banker. Okay. Let's keep talking about the like the legal ones, and then we'll talk about the illegal yeah. or the unprofessional ones or the sure. back do- the backdoor ones. <laughs> How much are they typically charging for to be a bro- like anywhere from like one to four percent of total raised? Okay, is there- probably like rule of thumb is like two. Rule of thumb is like two. So yeah, the smaller raise- the company, the lower the raise, the higher the percentage. Raise a hundred million dollars, they keep two million. Mm-hmm. Okay, or one to four somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay, and to be to become one, it's the Series Seven search uh test which i hear is a beast of a test and you have to be associated with a brokerage yeah a broker dealer a broker dealer yep okay and i don't know all the ins and outs of that i'm not a broker dealer i've never you know okay so what not legal advice let's talk about the unprofessional ones or the illegal ones okay because i feel like this well there i mean there's legal and illegal and then there's also professional unprofessional um look like my, my friend okay raised like 40 million bucks okay for a company not illegal because he worked there and that was his job but was to help raise money is he the ceo no he wasn't the ceo but he was supposed to help did he get it could be illegal because correct me if i'm wrong you can't incentivize them on like a percentage of the raise so like you can't you can't hire a ceo with the intent of saying hey this ceo has a huge network and we are going to compensate you differently depending on the size of the raise. Well, they didn't hire him purely for that. That That was just one of his responsibilities. And honestly, I don't know how he was compensated at the end of the day, and I don't know all the legalities of of it, but I'm I'm pretty sure that if they are part of the company, they can be compensated for dollars raised in the company. The difference is they can't be outside of the company Okay, I've heard that even with the CEO, maybe things have changed in because I think this might come from ten year old information. So maybe yeah. I should have vetted this part. Is that with a CEO, you can bring them in for raising, but yeah. you can't give them a percentage or more equity or co- like based upon like the size yeah. or the. That, that's probably true. Yeah. So again, I could I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess, but but you could have a vesting schedule. Hey, we're coming in. We want you to raise. You didn't raise. You're not vesting. You didn't raise within. That's a year. true, and you're fired. But if you stick around, then you'll get a nice big salary. I don't know. It's probably a gray area. Mm-hmm. Super. Maybe we should bring in uh, uh, an attorney to actually pontificate on this. We'll do that in a later round. <laughs> All right. Is this is it very common to have people in the you know who aren't broker dealers to want some type of compensation for helping you to raise? Oh yeah, of course. Everybody wants everybody wants to get their cut, right? Okay. How is that looked at upon or frowned? So, for example, like when I've seen angels, they'll be like, "Hey, make me an advisor, a mentor." I feel like that's a negative signal when you want to get an actual series A or a seed round because people will look through that. Is that a big deal or is well, that not well, a big deal? Well, I think, I think you need to explain more what you're, what you're referring to. So in my case, a few times in my life, someone said, hey, John, this is a great idea. You should go for funding. Yeah. I'm not putting money in myself, but give me a percentage of the company and I will help you do this. And I've always just looked at that as a negative sign. Like if you're mm-hmm. not willing to put in hold, cold, hard cash, then a VC is going to see that as a signal as you're not that committed and you're, and ha- then ha- therefore 
how valuable is your recommendation going to be? Yeah, but I I don't know that like VCs necessarily look at it and say, oh, this is a bad signal. I think they're just neutral on it. They're neutral? Like it's way stronger if you get somebody that actually kicks in money, right? Mm -hmm. Because then it's like, oh, you actually are a believer of this, right? And if they don't, it's kind of like, oh, it's cool that like they're willing to kind of advise you and help you, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a lot of weight in it either way, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you you know somebody cool, great, like whatever. If they're going to add like real value, and this is probably a whole other a whole other discussion of like how do you think about advisors and their role within your startup? But I mean, my quick high level thoughts is if they are going to add real value to your organization, even if it's not in dollars, like then I don't have a problem paying them mm-hmm. with equity, right? I think that's totally reasonable, but you just need to be like very, very precise on the value that they're going to bring. Cause so often like entrepreneurs will meet with advisors and they're like, oh, bring me on and I'll like make some intros and I'll help you fundraise and I'll give you advice. And they kind of don't do any of that. And you gave them some equity and like, at the end of the day, the only value they added was like a picture on your pitch book and your your pitch deck. Like that's not real value. Mm-hmm. So I I'm in the school of thought of like bring the advisors on, hold their feet to the fire, and be like, if you do this, this, and this, I'll reward you with some equity. Right. Okay. And then you just put it clearly in their contract. Again, make sure this is re- reviewed by your legal counsel. We are not giving you legal counsel or advice. Right. But yeah, I mean, it could be like under a vesting schedule or or whatever it might be. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, are there any points you'd like to add on this thing, on this concept of should you hire a professional fundraiser and what the pros and cons are? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we hit on a lot of the big ones. Uh, generally it's gonna, it's gonna be a somewhat negative flag, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't do it. It's just, you need to know, like, it's going to be a bit of a negative flag and you should be really thoughtful about the reasons why you are doing and the trade-offs there. And I think the best time is if you can, like, let's say you're raising a $20 million round. Yeah. You get the first 25, 30, 50% committed, then it might be easier to have someone come fill it up. But yeah, still- maybe. But even then, like the hardest thing in a round is getting a lead investor, getting somebody that has conviction, they're willing to write that check and take the board seat and price the round and like you know, take that risk. Once somebody does that, usually there are plenty of people in the wings willing to to step up and fill out the rest of the round. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying, and sometimes it could be helpful, but generally, like, the part that's the hardest that you arguably need the most help with is getting that lead investor, mm-hmm. right? And that's... That'd be a good podcast, Peter. That's where it's, like, struggles a little bit, like, that's where like a lead investor is going to look at a bank deal and be like, like, oh, why do they have to get a banker? Like, where, where's the hair on this one, right? Okay, and there's, and there's $2 million right off the top of their investment. Right, so. and exactly. It's like, yeah, we're going to put in $100 million bucks and 2% of it like right off the top is gone. Although, like, you know, like w- one of our portfolio companies are using bankers. I think in their case, it makes a lot of sense. And for them, it's like, yeah, it's like 2%, but the whole management team isn't having to work quite as hard. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to dedicate more time. And it's growth. like, yeah, well, you know, maybe $2 million is worth their time to okay. be able to focus on the business and growing the business instead of out fundraising. Uh, but they're a growth stage company. They're raising a very large nine-figure round. Like, it's a different situation in, in a lot of ways. And they're also in a nuanced industry. And so, yeah. I, I kind of get it. Now, did they really have to have a investment bank help them? Probably not. But in that case, I, I think it was valuable. So 
All right. Well, thanks, Peter, for being on this podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Links will be below if you're on YouTube so or in the show notes. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>